You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode number 336. And on the show today, I am chatting with Promenade Cinema. And we're going to get to that in just a second. So, because we've been doing these patron episodes, so if you've been paying attention to the show, if you are in the $25 club or higher, you can come join Marco and I for a recording of one of the playlist episodes, and you can pick a track, and uh, we have a lot of fun. So we've been recording a bunch of those, and it's really been messing with my head schedule-wise, because as we're recording them, I don't know what order they appear and stuff, which has been playing havoc with the birthdays. Because now when we're recording, I'm like, what week would this be coming out? And whose birthday should I be reading? So we're going to be doing a change to the whole birthdays thing. And uh, I'm just going to say it. For the rest of the year, the birthday segment's just going to be screwed. So I'm going to try my best, but they are not going to be on time. <laughs> or they're going to be late, or they're going to be early. I don't know. I want to say that uh, Beyond Synth is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We have a new patron this week, Little Bits. Little Bits in the $5 Club. Little Bits, you are cool. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, It means a lot to me, so thank you for doing that. And I'll tell you what else means a lot to me. Awesome patrons who upgrade their support. And Krizak Hatterak has upgraded their support. That's right, Krizak Hatterak, now in the $10 club, and I get that reference. It is Dune. Although you joined the Patreon before the new Dune movie came out, but maybe you knew it was in the works. Or maybe you're just a big fan of the David Lynch film Dune. Or maybe you're a fan of the books, or that made-for-TV movie, which has some amazing scenes, by the way. There's this one sequence from the made-for-TV Dune because there's these, like, wizard characters that have these really tall, silly hats, and they do, like, these ridiculous hand gestures, and it's like, I've watched it so many times. I've never actually watched the whole thing through, but I watched that clip. Makes me happy. He's like, the guild does not accept your orders. And then the guy's, like, moving his hands around like a snake. It's really awesome. Oh, and Krizak Hatterak sent it a message. He says, hey, Andy, I don't know where to enter my birthday on Patreon. Hey, we're just talking about the birthday segments. But it's September 18th, and as I just learned from last week's show, that's Marco's birthday as well. Happy belated birthday, Marco. I'm really enjoying the new format with the music selections from you both. Thanks for being so awesome. And listen, happy belated birthday to you. Uh, September the 18th, only about a month late. I hope you had a good birthday. And I also hope Vincentane had a good birthday on September the 20th. Wait, did I already do that one? See, this is it. My brain is already messed up, man. Because there's uh, Franz Varga, Chatterack, Jean-Christophe Leconte, and a star apart on October 6th. Miami Nights, 1984, October the 8th. And then October the 16th, that's coming up. A happy birthday to Energon Cubes. And on the 18th... 
a very happy birthday to Rachel and Sarah Buchelman, the Buchelman sisters. That's right. So I hope you guys have a lovely birthday. And I apologize. The birthday segment's a little out of whack. But next year, I'm going to fix it. It's too late to fix anything now, man. This train's already on the tracks. So let's listen to a song and then uh, we'll go chat with Promenade Cinema. So I want to listen to this one from their album Living Ghosts. It's called Softly, the Sinister Hold. And then uh, when it's done, we will be in conversation with Promenade Cinema. So let's go ahead and do that. Of course, if you want to support Beyond Synth, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or you can go beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button like my awesome PayPals, like my awesome PayPal jersey who says uh, he will win who knows when to synth and when not to synth. And that is from Synth Sue, the ancient synth prophet. So there you go. All right. Let's listen to this. This is uh, Softly the Sinister Hold by Promenade Cinema. And when the track is done, we will be chatting with Promenade Cinema.
right, well, I'm here right now with Promenade Cinema, which is Dorian and Emma. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. So if I were to describe your sound, I just came up with this myself, but I feel like that I would say it's influenced by the pioneers of synth pop, dramatic film scores and soundtracks to create danceable dark wave with memorable hooks and opulent melodies, <laughs> striking a perfect balance between contemporary euphoric electro pop and emotional synthetic orchestration. Would that be correct? That absolutely would be correct. <laughs> I uh, I came up with that all on my own. I didn't copy and paste it from the band camp. So. No, good job. We might we might have to steal that. Yeah. <laughs> so I discovered you guys a few years ago, and I really dig the sound, how it's got this sort of like synth pop style, but with orchestral melodies. And, you know, I love when songs like build to these big operatic choruses and stuff, and I just thought it uh, sounded awesome. So, like, when did you start making music well, really i'd say very late 2014 but 2015 is probably when we really started recording music properly coming up with the idea of doing the band getting to a rehearsal room and getting tracks together really we'd moved in together by that point so it made it quite easy and convenient to record music did either of you have like musical projects before this yeah i had a band previous called Berlin Trilogy. In that, I was the lead singer and songwriter, as the name suggests, it was a three-part band. And towards the end of that, we had Emma come in to do some session vocals or some backing on a few of the new tracks I was writing. And that's when I'd first properly heard Emma singing. So when that sort of came to its end and I was looking to start a new musical project, at that point, I'd realised I'm not a good singer. (laughs) can shout and act dramatic but when it comes to actually singing a song it wasn't my forte so yeah emma seemed to be the perfect fit to deliver that and at that point as well you'd start looking to writing your own songs yeah so i guess i've, I've always been really into music and and i play synthesizer as well but i would never really been i mean i'd kind of been in bands at school and, and things like that but they were mainly guitar based bands and never anything semi-serious you know it is at school so I'd been looking to get into doing some backing vocals and things like that and had tried some products with other friends who, who I knew who were quite musical. And I guess the main kind of entry into it for me was that I started a synth-pop, electro-pop night in Chester where I was at university. So I set that up and was DJing at that and, and that was it was really good fun and that kind of opened the avenue to meet like-minded people who are into that kind of music because it, it's not as popular you know, as it once was in the 80s. So it's great because all of the all of the weirdos came out of the, the woodwork, and and I felt like I found my people. <laughs> right. It was kind of through that, wasn't it? That uh, that I met met friends of friends, and, and yeah. then we came across each other, which was great. So when you were doing Berlin Trilogy, and then Emma came in to do some vocal things, like at that point you had already known each other. Like she wasn't just some well, stranger on the street who, who wandered in, or she was still a bit of a stranger <laughs> at that point. I, I tried to book Berlin Trilogy, hadn't I? To come yeah be like the first live band at this electro night that I'd set up. So it was kind of through that because their, their old manager wanted, frankly, too much money for, for what I was prepared <laughs> to pay, but was quite happy to come and DJ for nothing. So he drove halfway across the country with Berlin Trilogy in the back of his car and just no instruments. <laughs> we we like yeah. the idea of just going out for the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was how we, we kind of met properly, wasn't it? Yeah. And you'd done a bit of session vocals for a mutual friend as well. Yeah. So that's where I was aware that Emma did singing. So when it came to recording these new songs for my old band, 
I felt like having some female vocal in there to counteract mine was a good sound to go for. And it's definitely a sound that I really love and enjoy with the music that we do now. So. Good job, really. Yes. <laughs> I guess the, the DJ night in Chester is no longer a thing? No, no. So I finished uni in 2014. So yeah, that, uh, that finished then. I, I did set it up in Sheffield for a while in about 2015, 2016. Yeah. Um, but I think it's one of those nights. It, it was quite niche. So it, it was always difficult. Like if Gary Newman, for example, played a, a show up the road at, at one of the academies, it was great because I was just blasting out all of the tunes that I thought would get people through the door. So people stumbling home from the Gary Newman gig were just coming in and filling up this bar. It, it was good, wasn't yeah. it? But it definitely, I think it, it... It had its moment. It had its moment. Yeah, that's, that's the best way of saying it. <laughs> So it was more happening in Chester than Sheffield? Yeah, it was, you know, and, and it's quite disappointing because obviously Sheffield has a real synth history and legacy to it and it wasn't something that we saw an awful lot of while we were living in Sheffield. Um, I, I thought there'd have been more people who still followed synth music locally. I always find it surprising, really, with this style of music club, that the vast majority of pop, at least in the UK as well, is very electronic. So, to me, there's a huge audience out there that I just don't realise that they're an audience for this kind of music. Yes. There's something beyond Radio yeah. 1. <laughs> yeah, just the commercial radio. Yeah, and it's always been a challenge for me because, like, this show is about, you know, promoting synthy, retro-y type music. And, mm-hmm. like you say, like, there's an audience out there for it. Yeah. But I find with these, like, 80s nights and retro music weekends on the radio and stuff, like, I've got the impression that fans of retro music kind of just like what they know yeah. and aren't yeah. really interested in discovering the new stuff. I definitely saw that a lot with that synth night, you know, that quite a lot of the time the people in Chester were a bit more open to, you know, some of the, say newer bands, but I mean, Lady Tron, they've been going around for, you know, a long time now, but I could slip in there the kind of modern electronic and, and bands like IMX and Mesh and people like that and sort of synth wavy stuff that's new and people would, would really, you know, they'd really feel it and they'd dance to it and it didn't matter whether they heard it before or not. But then definitely in Sheffield at, at that particular night, I think the audience there, it was very much, if this isn't a song that came out in the 80s and I know it, then I'm not going to dance to it. <laughs> it's a weird thing because for me, I get so inspired and excited when I hear new music that I like. Yeah. So that to me is what drives me. Obviously, there's songs I love that I enjoy listening to, you know, over and over again. But definitely there's something exciting about it. And so that's the one where I have like a disconnect with those type of people. Where to me, if I went to a place and they were playing a song I liked, followed by an awesome new song I hadn't heard that was equally as awesome, that to me isn't a disappointment. That's like a new discovery and it's exciting. And I think that's one of the challenges that, that we found when actually writing, you know, the tagline to try and encapsulate what Promenade Cinema sounds like. Because there really is that that mix of people where some people only will give you a chance if you're like don't worry it sounds like stuff from the 80s but then there's there's a whole you know raft of other people who are like well i don't really want to just hear another depeche mode rehashed like you know i want something that's a bit more new and modern and a, a bit more relatable to the kind of thing that they might 
be familiar with already if synth pop, synth wave, that you know, dark wave sort of sound isn't something that they would usually gravitate towards. So I always, I do find that, that our, our tagline kind of thing is a bit of a jumble of, of like, like, you know, you, you probably will like us, but let's yeah. try and relate <laughs> something you might relate to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, how about we actually listen to some? All right, you have this album from 2018 called Living Ghosts. There's a bunch of cool tracks on here. I want to listen to Stock Image Model because it's a cool song and then we'll we'll chat some more, right? So this is Stock Image Model by Promenade Cinema. <laughs>
And that was Promenade Cinema with Stock Image Model. And I'm here right now with Promenade Cinema, Dorian and Emma, talking about DJing and Chester and old bands. So what happened with the Berlin Trilogy? Are you still on good terms with the uh, the trilogy? or? So the keyboard player is my best friend. So I left the band wanting to move on to new things and basically gave my blessing to him to, to find a new singer. And yeah, I try to support them where I can. It's always interesting to go and see a band that you used to be the singer of and like you wrote the songs for, playing on a stage, being able to sing along. It's not an experience you often get Yeah, being in bands. It's always a good time and I'm just always encouraging them to, to write new music, really. Just excited to see where they go as their own band. Did they find a new person who looks like you? Not at the start, but he's... He grew his hair after a few years, so if he started wearing glasses on stage, the similar similarities would be almost there, but he's much taller. He doesn't have the dark eyebrows a stranger might on the street to just go, that looks like him. So you left Berlin Trilogy behind, and then you formed Promenade Cinema. Why is it called Promenade Cinema? We both chose a word that we felt had a thematic connection to the music we were going to create. And there's a seaside town called Bridlington that Emma's parents frequent quite often and we usually go with them a lot and so we started to get that connection especially we early on when we started dating we go there quite often and both felt quite a connection to it and yeah the love of film and soundtrack played into the cinema aspect of it and we both think we're sort of romantic's not quite the right word but some are art deco art deco yeah like Um, promenade and cinema it's two words when you bring them together I think it kind of paints that that art deco picture doesn't it you can just see this gothic old cinema just on a seaside town yeah overlooking the sea so did the name of the band inform the sound or is like the style similar to what you were doing with Berlin Trilogy or did you consciously try to make the sound different so in Berlin, because I was the primary songwriter, we went about writing music in more of a, a band way, really. We'd um, take a drum machine to a rehearsal room and just jam out ideas, really, and build songs that way. Whereas with Promenade Cinema, we had more of a, a focused approach that we we had rough ideas of the sound we wanted to go for. And we were just building up in a lot of layers, whereas with Berlin Trilogy, it was more, these are our instruments. We can only really do what these can do. So we set limits in place for that whereas Promenade Cinema it was more we're doing this without limits we're just going we're going to layer on sounds until we get to the to the desired consistency <laughs> as it was so because of that I'd say Promenade Cinema is a lot more grand in its scale compared to my previous band which was you know a bit more straightforward electronic I'd say Emma you said you before this you were like playing synth was that just for fun or did you have any like projects that were where you posted things or what did you do it was. I mean, it was just for fun, really. Um, I kind of helped and did some backing synths live for another band who were around at the time and talked about setting up some projects with, with some other people that never sort of really came to fruition. Like, we, we jammed a little bit and got some recordings down, but nothing was ever released. So, yeah, I mean, it was more for fun. And as I got to know Dorian more, I'd said to him that, you know, I, I wanted to learn how to actually build a song, you know, on a computer because I got the synth and I got all the ideas in my head but I didn't know or have the technology to actually record that and make it into a into a song. So so yeah, so Joe, you mm. gave me some recommendations for like different sound cards and things like that and uh, this was before we met the band it as was, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I was just about to start sort of tinkering with my own solo project when actually we then, you know, yeah. <laughs> from nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I do have an equal share in the songwriting that we do. So whilst on one hand, I think it'd be interesting to see what kind of, what my music would sound like solo, I don't think it would be wildly different to Promenade Cinema. And I think that we we both have good ideas. And when we bring them together, that that just genuinely bring out the best of both of us. I, I don't think that either of us would mm. would make music that sounded better than what we do together if we were no. doing it separately. The good thing for us is it's just our collaboration. Emerald will have an idea, so I'll add to her idea with one of my own. And it builds it up. Mm. But it's also one of the reasons why a lot of our songs tend to build and by the end there's four different melodies going off two different bass lines <laughs> multiple vocals overlapping each other and it's just we we really love that that texturing of sound mm. and just being able to pass songs back and forth between each other and get a unique input just yeah it, it builds in a way that we really really enjoy yeah definitely i mean i always say that photographic by depeche mode is probably a good a good way to kind of describe how I really like how things start, you know, simple and then it, there's repetitive layers that then all build up and all come in to that big crescendo at the end. You know, it's I just think there's something really special. It gives you that, that war feeling when those extra riffs that you, you know from earlier in the song hit again in, at, at the end. I think it's just, yeah, I love that style. For me, growing up, I was primarily into film soundtracks as sort of music to listen to. And it was only until I was around 14 and 15 that I started really listening to normal songs, I guess. And with that, I had a desire to be a music teacher. So I went through education studying music, both at college and university. But it was a career, ultimately, I decided, actually, I don't like kids. <laughs> so at the end, I realised I've gone through all of this. Um, finally sat down and thought to myself, is this the career I want? And the easy answer was no. But at this point, I developed a huge passion for creating music, creating songs. So it basically occupied most of my free waking moments. How did you get that far <laughs> until you made <laughs> that realization? Because after finishing university with my music degree, the next course I needed to take was a teaching degree. And to qualify for that, I needed to get into some placements in schools just to get a bit of work experience behind me. And it, well, through that actual act of getting in touch with schools, actually envisaging that lifestyle up until then, my focus had really been on just the creative aspects of music. Like I'm studying music, I'm learning to create songs. I'm going to be seen as a cool music teacher. <laughs> yeah, but then the actual... When it got to that point of having to apply for schools, that's when I actually thought about it properly as a career rather than just, these are the steps that I need to get to that end point. Never looking at the end point, just looking at each individual step. Was your intention then you thought you'd be like teaching young kids or like high school age? Yeah, so like between the ages of probably around 10 to 16. Mainly because I was so inspired by my music teacher, I wanted to, to be that for other people. But... I never really thought that other people wouldn't be me. So, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Emma? What was your uh, musical journey? So mine's, mine's not quite as funny as, <laughs> as <Paul is. laughs> But I think I've just always loved music from a very young age. And music's always kind of been in, in the family, I guess. We've got quite creative 
on my mum's side of the family, they're funny enough our teachers, a lot of them, they were art and, and music. So I've been tinkering around on my auntie's piano when I was younger and I remember getting a guitar as soon as I could hold one. So it's just something I've always been really passionate about is, is music and, and my dad as well. Like he's hugely into music and he's been a huge influence really on my taste. You know, growing up, he was playing me in the car, like all of the, the 70s and 80s classics. So all of the synth, all the new wave, the punk stuff. So I was well and truly ahead of the game in terms of dressing like a goth and a punk like way before <laughs> any of my peers knew what the hell that was I mean he's fantastic my dad because he will actively put in the work to look for music that he thinks he's going to enjoy so we have a great relationship in that we won't speak to each other for a few days and then we'll drop each other a message and be like oh my god have you heard this new band or have you heard this band that's been out for three years how on earth have we missed them and it's brilliant you know I think that's something we really share and that has definitely helped form that interest and, and I think as well just the kind of circles that you end up in like I hadn't really had many friends until I was in my mid-twenties who were into the same kind of music that I was it was always the kind of more rock and, and indie side of things which I've always enjoyed as well but I'd always hoped to find people who were into this kind of you know synth synthy stuff I've always liked music no one else seems to like but um <laughs> it's one of the reasons why my old band Berlin started me and James, one of the first times we properly met, he'd been to see one of my older, older bands and he just came up to tell me that he liked my voice. We end up talking about And One. And it was that sort of mutual thing of, there's someone else in this small town who knows who And One are. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking. And I think that was the main reason why instantly we had to make a synth band on the spot. Well, how about this? Let's listen to another song. Sorry, sometimes my segues are terrible, but I, <laughs> I like interrupting people like just mid-sentence and just be like, let's listen to more music. I want to listen to Cassette Conversations because that's another one of my favorites from this album. And it is by Promenade Cinema.
And that was Cassette Conversations by Promenade Cinema. And I'm here with Promenade Cinema right now, Emma and Dorian, talking about having friends that uh, don't like the same music you like. And uh, Although, you know, that raises a point, because depending where you are, sometimes it can be difficult, like, finding your people, you know, or your scene. Because it's not always as simple as, you know, hey, I found some people who like the same music, so we're going to automatically get along. And for me, that's why I was grateful to sort of find the synth wave scene because it was full of folks with a general interest in like 80s and 90s retro stuff without being too specific so there's always like lots to talk about it's funny you you reminded me of um when when i was a teenager and and i was looking to try and actively join a band um i'd been looking sort of online or, or at different sort of music spaces where people would put up that sort of vocalist wanted to start a band you know must be into this this sort of music or these bands or whatever and I came across an advert and it it was a a woman who was looking to start a band and said that you know she was into sort of synth pop and that kind of thing so I actually got in touch with her and we went for a coffee and it's so bizarre looking back because it should have been perfect we had everything in common to the point that I thought it was a setup. and I remember asking her I remember asking her who her favourite band was and she said, oh, I absolutely love Sparks. Uh, you know, that, that band from the 70s, they did This Town It Big Enough for Both of Us. And, and I was just dumbfounded because I love Sparks so much. Like, mm. and I was like, I'm actually sat in, in a coffee shop with this woman who's saying she loves Sparks. I'm like, this has got to be somebody taking this. And I was like, okay, what's your favourite album? What's your favourite track by them? And, and you could tell that she was like, why is she being weird about this you know and, and I was like well I, I love them too and, and that's amazing and we spent all afternoon talking about Sparks and how excited we were that we were going to start this project together but then I think that we were so weirded out and just both had absolutely convinced ourselves that it was somebody setting us up for a practical joke that we just never then got in touch with each other again <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know like what she's doing these days and, and it's just ridiculous well, like, I think she's formed a band called Cinema Promenade <laughs> with the guy can you imagine for me you know with the synthwave it's definitely about just not capturing necessarily the sound but it's just the feeling that you get when you you think back to those sort of sounds and it's just reinterpreting it through that sort of modern lens there's all the dark elements you know like halloween and you know that sort of really almost rusty broken synth sounds you know that comprises the dark side of it but then you know all the really just hyper pop happy elements it's such a happy nostalgia feeling so many of those sounds but it's incredible how like you said the term synthwave can encapsulate so much dorian did you ever uh, keep in touch with your your music teacher that inspired you so we kept in touch for quite a while really say it's only over the last four or five years that we've lost touch but you know, social media is a fantastic thing that you know you can keep aware of what people are up to, but at the same time, distance can grow with it, I guess, because you're aware of what each other's doing. There's less need to sort of touch bases, as it were, which is just sad. But yeah, that's the <laughs> sort of long and short of it. So I've meandered off to a, a sad close. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's finding the right sort of first steps to take in those situations as well, because. After a while, it can just become a bit, a bit weird, really, to go out and be like, "Hello, I haven't spoken to you in ages. Shall we meet up for a drink?" And whilst that actually is really great to see and receive, it's quite nerve-wracking 
I guess, to send that message out of here. Well, has this person properly moved on? You know, will will that just be a message that they'll look past and go, mm, we had our time as friends. Mm. You know, yeah, I'm doing this now, <laughs> we're doing that now. And it, I think it's a lot of fear that prevents those sort of catch-ups being had. Are we all just becoming more like antisocial as time goes by? Because it's like the same thing of when people are afraid of answering the telephone. Yeah. You know, like I feel like there was a time where it wasn't scary to do that. Like I know like when the phone rings in here, like my wife doesn't even pick it up. Like it's like it's like a terrifying ordeal to pick up the phone. Like I, it stops and stares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, but it's like I feel like that's a common thing now. Like people don't. I mean, to be fair, it's always a scam. But I don't think that's the reason for the hesitation. Like, because I, I I get that same thing sometimes too. If like the doorbell rings, like the doorbell rings, I was like, well, who the fuck is here? Like, who the hell would ring a doorbell? <laughs> it's so strange that you just think this was just a common thing. Yeah, people would come to your house and knock on the door without warning, and you would go and answer it. <laughs> and like, but nowadays it's like it feels like such a violation or something. I think the first question we always ask is, have we ordered something? Is something yeah. being delivered? <laughs> well, we've not had a tracking email today, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, I want to I want to move ahead here and listen to another song. It's called Norway, and this is also fun because you say the name of the band in this one. Okay. And that's always an exciting thing. So let's uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, let's listen to this. This is uh, Norway by Promenade Cinema.
And that was Promenade Cinema with the track Norway. And I'm here right now with Promenade Cinema, Dorian and Emma, talking about music teachers and uh, synthwave and... uh, Do you like Norway? We've never been. (laughs) It's one of those things, when we first got together, we really wanted to go to Norway because we're writing that track around that time. Ultimately, the song sadly doesn't have anything to do with Norway but the title really captures a frame of mind we were in at that time yeah so when it, when things were, uh, were a bit difficult when we first got together because we just moved to a new city for both of us we were both starting in in jobs that actually meant that we were working a lot of alternate shift patterns so we didn't see each other as much and we kind of had this this ongoing dialogue didn't we that mm. you know we, oh we should just run away to Norway let's let's just run away to Norway so whenever we had a bad day it was like are you ready to run away to Norway so yeah. <laughs> that's where that kind of came yeah. in wasn't it and like you said as well about the song referencing the name Promenade Cinema when we were saying that the name to us we can picture this old Art Deco cinema looking over the sea you know that song just really brought all that together so it really I'd say that song more than most on that first album captured us as a band i think so yeah yeah emma how does your dad feel about your music if you have this relationship where you're always like sharing music back and forth is he does he like it oh man he, he is our biggest fan um, <laughs> like it, it, it's a tight competition because there's some people who just absolutely love us which is amazing but no my, my dad is he's definitely our number mm. one fan isn't he and he, <laughs> we take his his opinion to heart probably a bit too much sometimes we have to be like look you know we want to do this sound that's a little bit different and might not be what you usually go for and it'll be like why have you chosen that drum or <laughs> oh, you, you're shouting that a little bit too much it can be our, <laughs> our worst critic yeah. um, and it's sort of, whenever we create a new song there's always that time that we'll we'll play the demo in the car and we just sit in the back critiquing every little thing just like notepad basically writing well that sounds wrong that reverbs too much that's not right etc and, and he goes that's fantastic. Yeah. That's really good, that. <laughs> or it'll go the opposite way, where we'll we'll write a song, we'll be like, oh, this has all the elements like that we love, and oh, my God, like, my dad's going to absolutely love this track. Like, he's going to mm. be so... I can't wait to play this to him. And then you'll play it to him, and he'll go, eh, yeah, it's all right, but it's not as good as X, Y, Z. And you're just like, oh, man, like, <laughs> you should feel this one. <laughs> Wow, I really, it's funny, I relate to this. My parents have always been very supportive of our artistic endeavors, but my dad was always honest. If we just made a thing that he wasn't interested in or whatever, he'd always be like, oh, that wasn't as good as whatever. Like, he always just mentions the other thing he likes. He still, uh, he still has this thing where I made this, like, artsy black and white movie in like high school and it's like his favorite thing that I ever made <laughs> and so he always talks about it and I'm like dude I'm like 40 now like, <laughs> like well, that yeah, thing's... something better in all of these years like... <laughs> yeah, I'm like that, that thing sucks like which is good in a way because it's nice to actually get you know like if you if you know someone's being honest then at the end of the day even if the negative advice sucks it's still like at least you can trust it definitely i suppose yeah yeah and you know i think we we do value his opinion highly Mm. don't we for things like that and you know that there are certain things that are just not necessarily to his taste and it's not Mm. that it's it's bad and you know other people will like it or we like it and we're like well that's fine you don't have to love everything 
But there are a lot of times where he will give us honest, you know, sometimes quite brutal feedback. And we'll be <laughs> like, actually, yeah, I get that. Let's mm-hmm. let's change that. And we will change it up. And, and it is for the better at yeah. the end of it. The thing that always makes me laugh about my dad is that he's very set in his ways and, and has his routines. And he's always saying that he's too old now to be going to gigs and, and this kind of thing. So... He loved it when we first started and we were just playing like little shows in pubs that were quite local and we were really low down on the bill. So, you know, we'd be packed away by about half past seven because he could come down and sit down in a, in a nice chair and watch us play and then be home by half past eight. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now, like he's happy that we're getting, you know, bigger and better things and, and playing abroad more and, and things like that. But you just would not catch him at a festival. So it's like, oh, I wish you'd go back to playing in those little pubs. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my mum, bless her, she will come on her own and she's like, well, I'm going to go and see them at this festival. So she'll just be stood there surrounded by all of these people in, you know, all sorts of, <laughs> of attire, shall we say. <laughs> just making the effort and being supportive, aren't she? she yeah. They're, they're both wonderful. Like, they're really supportive, aren't they, of our mm. music? So you, you mean your mum doesn't go there and dress up like a goth? She doesn't, unfortunately. I'd, I'd love to see that, though. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I can sympathize with your dad, though, because I feel like as much as I do enjoy seeing live music, I tend to like to just sort of sit at the back and kind of relax. Like, I'm not really much of a stand-at-the-front kind of guy. Yeah. And it's always nice to pretend you, like, own the club. That'd be, like, one of my fantasies is, like, you know, where you get to sit in the back in sort of a raised booth at, like, a special table. Yeah. So that, that's what I pretend I'm doing when I sit at the back of a club and not that I'm antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's always like, can't you just film it? Can't somebody stream it? And I'm like, well, you know, it's not quite the same as being in the room. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it's never as good on the phone. <laughs> when you guys play live, like, is it just the two of you or do you bring on other people to, to help out or what do you do yeah it is just the two of us from previous bands where there's been multiple members i found especially because we're in a relationship it's easy we always know where the other is we always know each other's routine so it's not a case of like if someone asks us to play a gig like oh okay well let's just check with so-and-so and so-and-so see you know make sure that they're actually available for it you know we can mm. be pretty organized like that it's just a lot more convenient with um, for us and hand on heart I would love to have more members you know get a bigger sound on stage but when it comes down to practicality of it you do give up a lot with that and it's just a decision that we've come to is it just for the moment it works with just the two of us and if the option later down the line came up where we did think a third member or even you know go crazy four members you know if we felt that was right at that time we'd probably look into it but for now it's just the two of us. Yeah. We can make it if we try. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, how about this? Let's let's move ahead to the album Exit Guides. This is a cool little album, man. Like, I like a lot of the songs on here. They're nice and, and big. And I want to listen to The Arch House. So let's do that, and then we'll keep chatting. This is The Arch House by Promenade Cinema. Forgotten recording 
And that was The Arch House by Promenade Cinema. And I'm here right now with Promenade Cinema, Dorian and Emma, talking about playing live for our dad. Wait, so if you guys live together, do you determine, like, this is music time? Do you guys separately sort of do things and bring ideas to each other or do you have like an established like let's go jam if it was up to dorian every day would be music day yes. <laughs> i'm always ready <laughs> the way that we tend to to do it is we try and plan somewhat you know like at the minute we've got an idea of, of a, a schedule that we kind of need to work to for our next release so we're working back and it means that, that we can kind of say, right, okay, between this month and this month, we really need to have achieved X, Y, Z to, to have things ready to then go into to production and mixing and all that kind of side of things. So that tends to be the way that we work at the moment. But I mean, we'll both have ideas that will just come to us. So, you know, it's that sort of very stereotypical in the shower type thing where you'll just suddenly get a tune in your head and think, oh, that could be really good. So we tend to record on the little voice yeah. recorder thing on our phones. I was going to say, there's been so many times where Emma will come up with a melody and She's an Art from the second album is a perfect example of that. Emma just got this idea in a, in her head and just, what do you think of this? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, one moment, please hold caller. <laughs> got my phone out, voice recorder. Do it again, four times. <laughs> So then I take that away, like, quickly work out what melody she's just done on our keyboard. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do something with that. Yeah. And it's incredible to have, we've got uh, so many little recordings like that that we can scroll through on our phones of just Emma just verbalising a melody. Like, I do think your pitch is pretty perfect. And it's quite funny that if she hums or just sings a melody to me, I can just then play along to it up from that recording on the piano um, and it's in tune and yeah use that as a basic a basic building block and then yeah there's been so many times like that and I love it a bit too much and yeah any idea she gets I'm just like right here's the phone get it in there as soon as we finish work tonight can we can we like jam that out and, and see how it goes and I'm like oh my god I'm so tired like don't <laughs> make me do music now like I think I'm definitely more of a I get the most out of music when I'm feeling particularly inspired to work on it I find it quite challenging when you're tired or there's just lots of other things going on I, I find it quite difficult to shift into that sort of creative mindset but I think a lot of that comes down to our personality types mm. as well is that when you're stressed and find things hard you quite like going into that music space yeah to take your mind off things and, and work on other things whereas I tend to be the the more practical problem solver mm. out of the two of us don't I so I think I tend to be more caught up with like I can't do things like have fun playing around with music right now. I need to figure out how we're going to deal with this situation. Or, <laughs> But it, it always works out, doesn't it? It, it, does. it always comes together. And I think it, it works quite well for us with, with that, sort of having the, the little ideas that we do have separate from each other. Because then, as, as Dor said, you know, we play them to each other and then actually mould that into a song. And, and it has worked well, I think, so hmm. far, hasn't it? Yes. Well, I appreciate that, you know, that you need to be in the zone because I always have difficulty getting in the zone. And if I give any advice, and I'm sure Dorian would love this one, uh, don't have kids. Oh, it's not on the cards. Like, we, we foster cats for a cat rescue charity, and that's about as far as we want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's good that you record those little voice things, too, because also there is nothing more frustrating in the universe than knowing you had an idea 
and then you don't remember because you didn't write it down. We've had a few of those. Yeah, we haven't. That's why the phone's always out to record now. Yeah. In fairness, it's usually if Joel's kind of playing around on a synth and I'm like, oh, I love that. Like, do that again. Let's let's record that. And then he's like, I can't remember what I played now. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can just ramble musically. Just play constantly, randomly. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's really good. But the problem is because I, I do just ramble musically, I guess. I can't find a better way of describing that. Uh, no, I think uh, it seems to work it. right. My memory for it in the moment isn't good. I'm, I'm very much a believer for muscle memory. So like for playing live, I'll have to play our songs constantly to just get it ingrained so I can autopilot it. Otherwise, I will just ad-lib so much. And it drives Emma up the wall in rehearsals because there'll be a verse and I'll just start playing something randomly and she'll sort of go, you're not going to be playing that live, are you? Like, no, no, sorry, I'm, I'm just messing around. And that was just me constantly. <laughs> well, you know what might be useful? A friend of mine just showed me a feature on Logic where you can, like, sing a tune into the program and then convert the melody into MIDI notes. And I think Ableton can do it as well. Because I'd been seeing all these ads on Instagram. They keep on trying to advertise this fucking microphone <laughs> that turns your voice into a uh, a live MIDI instrument. It's called Voclia, I think. Okay. Yeah, it does, right? But it's, like, $400. Not so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a funny game that we do play. Because, you know, out of two of us, Emma's musical knowledge for bands and stuff far surpasses my own. So she loves music quizzes. So I will try and hum her the intro to a song. But what makes it hilarious is the fact that I cannot hum yeah. in tune. <laughs> my life. Or really sing in tune that well. So the challenge really becomes, can you just tell what this random noise is that I'm making that vaguely... Sounds like another song, so for myself, I'd never be able to use that product. <laughs> well, I think it's also subtly auto-tuning in the background as yeah. well. Yeah. But the point is, I feel like as a tool, it could be like a useful thing in that context where you like you sing the tune, but then it also captures the MIDI notes of it. Then you just have it. Yeah, yeah. like it's like you having to get like the keyboard out and plug all of that stuff into then you know, actually play it in. Like, but I like that. I know you do, but I can make the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to another song. I want to listen to Nothing Nouveau. This is a big, long song. Seven and a half minutes. Um, that's a weird way to intro a song. <laughs> it's a Sorry. good choice, though. It's one of my favorites. Sit down, get a drink, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is Nothing Nouveau by Promenade Cinema. Thank you. 
And that was Promenade Cinema with the track Nothing Nouveau from the album Exit Guides. And I am here right now with Dorian and Emma, and we just totally glossed over this fostering cats business, so let's talk about that. <laughs> well, we've, we've had to uh, move into the conservatory to do this interview uh, because we, we have a mum cat who's a stray and her four four-week-old kittens. So they make lots of noise and chirrup away and meow at us. So climb up our legs. <laughs> climb up our legs. Yeah. So this is our, our little sanctuary of quiet for, for, <laughs> for the first hour. <laughs> what is the actual definition of a conservatory? It's Ooh. a building on the outside of another building. Yeah, uh, it's kind of yeah. like a greenhouse for people. <laughs> a greenhouse for people. We'll go with that. A greenhouse for people attached to the to a house. Yeah. Those are usually the things that have like kind of glass, like encased kind of in glass, more more yeah. windows. Yeah. So I guess, would you guys call it like a porch, but kind of enclosed? I grew up in, a, in an old Victorian house that the original owners who built it in the 1800s, there was a conservatory. Like it's not there anymore, but it's just whenever I hear that word, I never remember what it is. I just know it's like, it sounds classy, but I feel like a porch is slightly different. Okay. Here, let's look it up. If I type in difference between difference between conservatory, I'm probably spelling that wrong, and porch. <laughs> All right, what do we got? Conservatories and porches. A conser- Oh, hold on. There is an actual... A conservatory must have no less than three quarters of its roof area and no less than half of its external wall area made of a translucent material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, it, well, most of this is glass. Is glass a translucent material? And then realized <laughs> how stupid I was being. <laughs> my, my favorite is just the long pause to the, yeah. <laughs> all, all there is to say about this. We're, we're looking at the conservatory. Yeah, we're kind of looking around. Like, at it, like, it's one of those, like, <laughs> nodding while we say, yeah. Like, it is translucent. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I wasn't reading a dictionary definition. I was reading a, a a website from the UK about building control for residential alterations. <laughs> what I'm actually looking at is the, uh, I guess this would be like the legal definition of yeah. those things. So if you say like, I want to build a conservatory, then some guy's going to show up with a clipboard and say, there can be no more than 30% of blah, blah. Then... <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a house extension. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the conservatory or porch must not enclose the outlet of any boiler flue or ventilation duct. No, no, that was above. Do you yeah. want me to go? Yeah, yeah we're going to go through the checklist and just see uh, <laughs> see if you, if your conservatory passes the test. Well, I guess though, if it didn't follow these rules, you might be able to get grandfathered in, right? If it was a conservatory that was built like many many years ago, that it might not be uh, affected by modern regulations. Well, when we bought the house, actually, the survey came back saying that there wasn't the certificate of like permissions for the conservatory to have been built Uh-oh. onto the property. So we we made sure that the previous owners who were selling it took out like a liability cover, so that I think if we ever got got an inspection and yeah. somebody was like, "There shouldn't be a conservatory here," that we aren't actually liable for that. <laughs> and for all the music fans out there, welcome to Building Regulation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, oh, would that, 
that ever suck? Could that actually happen? Like some assholes come to the house and say the conservatory shouldn't be here and you have to fucking get rid of it? Like, could that actually happen? I mean, it can happen. It happens more with like grade two listed buildings. So if you've got, you know, like a really, really, really old building, they tend to be funny about if you're trying to install double glazing and things like that, you've got to keep the old rattling windows because that's part of the aesthetic of, of the original building, isn't it? But so- really, I'd just say, you know, red tape like that, it just it keeps people in jobs and just <laughs> yeah it just seems to be keeps assholes in jobs <laughs> well in the interest of future proofing buildings and making them more energy efficient i mean i know it's a hard thing to do like my childhood home is an old victorian house that I believe we had like an inspector come in to say like, here's some tips you can do to make the place more efficient. But since the house is so old, even like if you did everything, you know, like installed modern fucking four ply windows or whatever the hell they're called and, you know, like seal off every door and do all this stuff, it would improve the efficiency by 3% because modern buildings are just built with way more of those efficiencies in mind and they don't let yeah. as much like air out or whatever the terms are. Well, if you're in the market <laughs> for a random fact... Something I found out today. A lot of older buildings built like 100 years ago, their medicine cabinets had a little hole in them for putting disposable razors into, and it would just fall into the cavities in the wall. They never thought, oh, no one can ever clear them. They just thought, well, it'll never get full of razors. But then when more modern razors were invented, and they were no longer like just the disposable blades themselves, a lot of these cabinets were just boarded up. So then when people were doing home renovations, they'd break down a wall and just find a load of old razor blades to just fall out. What? Yeah. And <laughs> uh, you go to the go on Google and type in why are the razor blades in my wall? It's quite a, a regular <laughs> <laughs> The wonders of the internet and rabbit holes you can fall down. That is awesome. That was, I just found that randomly. I weren't looking for it. Hey man, there's no shame. There's no shame in an internet rabbit hole, right? You never know where you're going to end. Just like this conversation. Who knew <laughs> that we would start our music and end on grade two buildings in England and conservatories? And Is that a common thing that people know the grades of buildings? Or is this something that you know? I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert <laughs> by any means. But I think like most people would know that there are certain buildings that have you know, more regulations on them because of their, their age and, and that, their kind of historical status. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were buying a house, like grade two listed properties are beautiful because they look really old. They've and, got character. Exactly, yeah. But that's, that's part of the reason why they have that regulation on them, that you can't change certain things so that it, it keeps the integrity of the character. Mm. Isn't right. It? Yeah, I wonder if that's more of a concern in European countries than it would be in here, because I'm in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're a relatively young country. And so, you know, we don't have castles. Yeah, like... You can't install double glazing and it's things like if, if you've got a house with a stained glass window or something like that, you probably can't just swap that out. But you tend to know if, if the building looks old, there's probably going to be a few restrictions on it. Yeah, because I'm wondering what the oldest building in Canada even is. The house I grew up in was built in like the late 1800s and I feel like that's pretty old for a building in Canada because like we don't have any of those cool ones that you guys have where you have like this old like 14th century castle or something because I don't think I don't I don't know the history of my own country so I don't want to talk anymore because I feel like (laughs) I'm going to betray some basic uh, Canadian knowledge that I should probably know but whatever look the point is this all right uh you got all these cats in the house yes yes we do yeah we've just 
because prior to buying our own place, renting a lot like apartments, we would never allow animals. But then one place we managed to, and we moved quite regularly, like every every other year. So we knew we couldn't take on our own full-time pet, as it were. And we had some friends who basically knew a group in Sheffield who fostered and rehabilitated cats. And just through that, we found a place we were able to have animals in. So we said, yeah, we've got some space available. We can foster some cats for you. And it snowballed from there. And I think these are our... 45th? 46th? Yeah, 45th, 46th foster cats. So yeah, we've, we've helped quite a few. And we do have two permanent pets of our own. Yeah, we've got two house rabbits. <laughs> Video and vinyl. Do 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 rabbits enjoy the fact that you've got <laughs> forty five cats coming in and out? They uh, they're separate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do they live in the conservatory? No, it's, it's too hot. <laughs> the conservatory. Yeah. Oh, no, the, the rabbits yeah. live in Dorian's home office, so he's kind of like petting zoo slash office upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. My room smells like a farm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically. And I can put with the smell. I haven't had a cat in years. Like, we haven't had pets really since we had kids. Because kids end up taking up a lot of time. Because I'm like, oh, there's so much going on here, man. Like, it's a crazy place. But I feel like the kids kind of want one now. And I thought maybe it would be a good idea to adopt. And then I started learning all these things about... These things you never think about, because when I started looking at a lot of adoption sites, I actually had to stop looking because they made me sad. Like, whenever I go to those websites, it's very sad. And what I noticed was the nicer looking the cat, because, you know, some adoption sites have pictures now, right? You go like, here's Edward. He's, you know, eight years old. Adopt him. And whenever they look really, really nice... It's always because they have a lot of problems. Yeah. This is what I learned just from like a few days of scrolling through the things. Like anytime I would see a cat that's like, oh, that's a beautiful cat. Then it's like, oh, well, I wonder what it says. And then the paragraph is always, this cat just poops on the floor. He's got a problem with his, with his, what was the one I read? It was literally like the nicest looking cat. And then the description was, uh, his sphincter doesn't work. And so poop just falls out of him. <laughs> Or the disclaimers are, does not like people. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a few of those. We yeah. have, yes. <laughs> and, and it's just like, I just feel like, well, who the hell is going to adopt this? Or like when they're old, i like, okay, like I would adopt maybe even up to like a four-year-old cat. You know, you know, you still got, you know, a good like 10 years with them if you take care of them and stuff. And mm-hmm. But then sometimes they're like nine and require, and it's just like, and you know, they need all this medication like every week to keep their eyes from falling out and stuff. And you're like, oh no, like and I just feel bad because I'm like, you just know that no one's going to adopt that cat. Yeah. And then I just wish I was rich and I could just have a conservatory and adopt <laughs> them all. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, I always hope that people who have got the money to be able to afford the extra sort of healthcare and, and things like that, that that they will adopt the older or the, the more sickly cats. Because I think it's something you just have to bear in mind, like with cats and dogs, you, you need the insurance. And if you've got a cat with a pre-existing medical condition, you won't be able to get that insured. Like in certainly UK. in the UK, yeah. like it, it, that's really tricky. It really needs to be either that it's a charity that can, and, and quite often they do, but they will help with some of the ongoing medical costs because ultimately it's still costing them less to not have the cat directly and entirely in their care. Um, so, so sometimes, you know, in those situations, you could adopt uh, a cat that, that needs a lot of medication because you can help 
subsidize the, the cost of the medication through the charity. Wait, so is that what you guys do? Like, or is this just sort of like an unofficial, we'll just take care of cats? Or is it, are you doing that thing where like there's a shelter that gets overflowed and then you go like, well, we can take a few of those for a little while. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So it's the the charity is, is quite small. It's it's just run by two girls who do this kind of in their spare time, but it's in all of their time that's not spent on their day jobs. So they do track neuter return, which is where if it's a like a feral colony of cats where they've grown up outdoors, they wouldn't be happy being forced to live indoors. In essence, people. A wild yeah, that you know, it would be like bringing a, a badger into your house. <laughs> they will trap them, have them neutered and, and checked over by a vet, and then they'll return them back to their colony. But it stops the reproductive cycle, which, you know, is it, ultimately the, the end yeah. game to reduce that suffering to, to have less cats on the street but if they're young enough or friendly enough they will catch them new to them if they're old enough or if they're kittens then they have a bank of people like us who are foster volunteers so they will post on their facebook group or in whatsapp and say we've got a mum and four babies you know they're really friendly or they need some socialization skills before they'll be ready to go to a home like anything like that can anybody take them and, and we'll say like yeah we're available for the next four or five weeks we can take them and then if they're a bit spicy and they need need to get used to being around people then you just have to put in a lot of time with them and build up that social skill and the trust and and quite often the ones that are more feral actually once they've learned to trust people they become the more clingy mm. ones don't yeah. they which is it's so so rewarding so then the people who are interested in adopting them we will have either a face-to-face or a video call with them where they can meet the cat and ask us any questions. And then they come in and collect them like once the charity have signed them off and, and they've been formally adopted. And it's so nice, isn't it? Because we, we get photos of, of the cats growing up and their first Christmas in a home and with a full <laughs> and It's, it's just, so good. It's good, but it's always sad, especially you know if you get one that you pull off work into game to trust you, at which point they become so sweet. And then having to say goodbye to them. Yeah. It's hard. it's rewarding. We always have to go onto YouTube and, and watch happy ending videos for similar like cats being fostered. Just around ourselves. This is why we're doing it. You know, for yeah. them to go to good homes. Um, it's, well, it's usually the yeah. sad videos, you know, like yeah. what you were saying. You've only got to sort of look online and see like all of these shelters that are overflowing with cats. And for every foster volunteer they have, that's an extra space that they have in that shelter to be able to save another cat so yeah you just have to keep reminding yourself and and it makes it worth it every time you get your heart broken when you have to say goodbye to them (laughs) but you also get to look after kittens too oh yeah well there you go then there is an upside That's the, that's the reward in itself. If I could have some sort of perpetual person just deliver kittens and then like, oh, they're old now. They have to go find a new home. Okay. And then they just bring you another box of kittens. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Pretty cushy. <laughs> well, how about this? Let's uh, listen to another song and then we'll keep chatting. So I want to listen to Fading in the Arcade by Promenade Cinema.
And that was Promenade Cinema with the track Fading in the Arcade. And I've been chatting with Promenade Cinema, Dorian and Emma. We just talked about fostering cats, which was fun. And uh, conservatories. Of all the bands and stuff that you interview, does it normally get into such weird topics like fostering cats and conservatories? <laughs> Honestly, all the time. Because like, <laughs> I love music and talking to musicians, but I don't necessarily love talking about technical music making stuff. Like yeah. for electronic and synth music, I feel like if people want to listen for tips and tricks and software advice, like they'd be better off just watching YouTube videos. But for me, yeah. I just use the show to get to know people. Yeah. And within the synthwave scene, there's like a lot of overlap with the artists about how they discover the scene or got into synthwave and so after I talk to like 50 people who all talk about the movie Drive yeah. it just makes me want to push conversations in different directions and what's interesting to me is what makes the person I'm talking to unique yeah. but also how they tackle like the retro stuff because that's why I wanted to play Fading in the Arcade because you know singing about arcades and you know nostalgia for the arcade is like a common synthwave trope yeah. but I like how differently you handle it you know because there's lots of these like rose tinted glasses when it comes to people thinking of their childhood arcades but for me i remember the arcade being like these kind of dingy places full of like weirdos and they smelled like cigarettes and stuff and i think a lot of the synthwave arcade songs are more influenced almost by like the barcades that exist now than what arcades actually were because yeah now they're all fun and neon and you can drink beer and pay ten dollars to play all the games but it wasn't like that when i was a kid yeah for us with the arcades as well it ties back into the seaside towns like a lot of the arcades over here it's not necessarily the gaming arcades but it's more just like slot machines and just you know really run down yeah they're they're really run down they look like they've just been been forgotten yeah Yeah. just been picked up from the past and dropped there and being forgotten Mm. yeah but yeah it's, it's more capturing the feeling you know and there's so many memories that just you relive and it's just you and those memories and yeah it's just like living ghosts in essence going from the first album style but yeah just such a feeling that's captured with it and as we were writing that song just trying to make it end on such a in a grand way yeah we just we really felt it and what I like about the song is it's like grand but then like lyrically is about almost like the sadness of nostalgia and like leaving things behind yeah and I always love that contrast you know it's like it's like old BG songs because they have these upbeat whimsical melodies and then the lyrics are sad and depressing like you'll be listening to this fun upbeat BG song and then pay attention and be like is is he talking about a mine collapsing like is that what this song is about (laughs) but like But the chorus is all like, Mr. Jones, or whatever, and it's like really happy. But so, yeah. Yeah, Mango goes on about that, though, as well. We sort of led Depeche Mode songs that one of his favorite things was to put really miserable lyrics of really happy songs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like the the name Exit Guides for the second album, we actually saw it was a Louis Theroux documentary about people in America who are living in states where assisted suicide isn't legal, but there's this group who who really sort of advocate for it and and feel that everybody should have that you know that choice if if you're terminally ill to to make that decision yourself basically and they called themselves exit guides in that they helped people pass over right and it just the documentary like really touched us in Mm. it and it was just so sad but it like one of the the individuals that they were filming like he wanted to have this party before he then had that you know the lethal injection and he was just surrounded by his family while he was in bed and and they were drinking champagne and 
and it was lovely. And then at the end of that, that was when he decided that, you know, that was the time to, to administer it and, and pass on. And that really stuck with me. And I think songs like Fading in the Arcade and After the Party It's Over, you know, it, it's, I try not to be too on the nose <laughs> with, with the topics, but a lot of it is that, that kind of sad nostalgia and, you know, accepting that things have run its course and, mm. and, and that kind of thing. So I think there's quite a lot of that in our songs, even the ones that are a bit more upbeat and a bit happier. Like, there's often quite sort of undertones of, of sadness, isn't there? Yeah, but with Fading in the Arcade, you know, building it up to that, you know, layering all the, the choirs and just that uplifting melody as well. It's that thing of, you know, the ending doesn't need to be sad. Yeah. And yeah, so it's that just trying to capture the, the happiness that is with sadness as well sometimes. It's almost like a metaphor for the way you guys live when you have these kittens and you have the the joy of living with the cat, but then you know you've got to say goodbye 45 times, but then you get to say hello 45 times to to lovely new kittens. And then there's bunny rabbits upstairs. (laughs) You have very rich sort of emotional lives that cover the gamut of things. That's a really nice way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, sincerely, like I'm I'm like (laughs) smiling at Dorian, like we have rich emotional lives. I like that. Well, there's nothing like watching a depressing documentary about assisted suicide, but being able to look over and pet a kitten. Yeah. (laughs) You need them in those moments, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what is the current cat situation? Like, did you say you you have kittens right now? Yeah, four kittens and mom cat. (laughs) That's awesome. I want some kittens. I've been watching all these, you know, for years, just watching things on the internet that annoyed me, you know, just watching like YouTube videos of people arguing about politics and stuff. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get into watching kitten videos because everyone, that's like the big joke of the internet Yeah, is just like, oh, it's all kitten videos. And I was, I wasn't really indulging in it. And so I went on Instagram and I started following all these like wacky cats. Yeah. Dude, have you ever seen Wilfred Warrior? Yes. <laughs> God, fucking Wilfred Warrior is amazing. I love that cat. Oh man, I mean, if if anything, you know, needs to convince you to to adopt rather than buy a, a cat, you should definitely check out Flatbush Cats or Catman Chris on YouTube. They're both people who who do a lot of, of rescuing and share the stories of the cats. Mm. And it just there's some really sad ones. I'm not going to lie, you know, but it's so Uplifting, lovely. Yeah. yeah, like that that will definitely reinforce that it's great to adopt (laughs) but on a a funny note as well with the cats one of the last batch of kittens that we fostered had wobbly cat syndrome which just basically means that they've got a defect unfortunately when they're born but they they wobble a bit and they can sometimes fall over but they're absolutely fine that it doesn't cause them any health issues or anything like that but to have three kittens uh, just chase each other but then just randomly just roll over yeah. all the time it's like it watching drunks yeah watching yeah. drunks fall out of a pub at the end of the night like. <laughs> but oh they were so lovely you know the other day I saw a bangle cat in real life I'd never seen one in real life before now they're, they're amazing for the spots but I think the temperament for them as well can be quite a handful so yeah that's what i heard yeah because it yeah. it was interesting because i'd never seen one in person because my whole life i've always just had i'm gonna say normal cats you know just regular you know uh tabbies or whatever's but i've always felt weird about paying money for a cat like mm-hmm. with dogs i know people who have paid like thousands but then you get a loyal animal that loves you but you never quite know what you're gonna get with a cat yeah, yeah. and so i feel like i would also have buyer's remorse if i paid like two grand for a cat that turned out to be an <laughs> asshole well that's the other thing as well cat are so independent and it'll be a case that you know especially if they're going outside if they don't want to live with you 
they'll find someone they want to live with. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of got to like entice the cat back, like come back, you know, I, I'll make this incredible home for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you live with a neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, so I finally saw a Bengal cat in person. <laughs> I was selling something to somebody and they showed up and I had never seen a Bengal in person before. And it might've been the nicest looking cat I've ever seen. Like I was like, can I take a picture of your cat? I never say that to people. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, I kind of need to take a picture of this. Like, this cat is just beautiful and had these eyes that look like emeralds. And, like, it was just this insanely nice looking cat. But then, if you own the kind of cat that you have to take around with you in a backpack, that feels like too much for me. Dog territory, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, look, we can probably wrap this up or we'll end up uh, talking about cats for like another hour. So, where (laughs) should people go to hear the music of Promenade Cinema? So, our Bandcamp page is where you can buy t shirts. We've got both of our albums on there um, as physical CDs. Well, Exit Guys is, is in like a cool metal tin collector's edition with a vinyl effect CD so that's like my pride and joy I love that one and we've also recently released a digital album of remixes uh, which a a load of different bands have been involved in and then later this year we will have some new music uh, which we've been testing the waters with playing live a little bit for for the last couple of shows that we've been doing and we always post on Instagram and Facebook whenever we've got any gigs or or any news to share so follow us there yeah Bandcamp Promenade Cinema. Promenade Cinema official bandcamp.com. Yes. <laughs> How does your dad feel about the new tracks? He loves them. <laughs> <laughs> he, he thinks it's the best best stuff we've written. And I mean, I've got to say, like, we're really, really proud we're of excited. it. We're really yeah. excited to get them out there and, and see what people think. We've been sitting on them for quite a while because of the pandemic. We released Exit Guides right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it meant that we weren't really able to tour it or play it live properly. So we've been trying to give yeah. that its day, haven't we? I think it's worthwhile saying as well with the new music, and I'm sure you'll be very interested in this. <laughs> Definitely felt it was a synthwave moment through quite a few of them. Yeah, and we've just played a festival, and one of the, the reviews from that has said that they, they definitely heard hints of synthwave in there so (laughs) it's good that's the sort of consensus on it I think yeah we're really happy with it well I do love hints of synthwave and I do hang on the every word of Emma's dad's reviews (laughs) so if Emma's dad likes it then uh I think it's going to be all right. (laughs) Well, listen, it was lovely to talk to you both. And uh, you have a lovely evening in the conservatory. And uh, we look forward to uh, listening to your upcoming stuff. Uh, Thanks so much for having us. It's, It's been a real pleasure. All right, and that was my chat with Promenade Cinema. I hope you enjoyed the show. I dig their sound. You should uh, check out their stuff. And they have a new album coming out very soon. And uh, I'm sure that is going to be cool as well. I should also point out that I recorded this conversation with them before I got my cat. Because our family got a cat. Uh, Chester, the cutest cat in the world. And obviously if I had Chester when I talked to them, I would have talked to them about Chester. But I didn't. Chester was not there. Oh! And before we go, how could I forget? You know, I almost forgot. Beyond Synth is brought to you by the amazing... 
Kings of the Pattersons. Ah, look at you guys. You almost thought I forgot, but I didn't. I want to thank Chris Dance and Mike Shima, the Kings of the Pattersons, along with Mystery Donor, along with Dennis LaFunk. There's Mike Erdahl. There's Brandon Decker and Tim Carlton, Dinner Dog, Retro Serenade, and my semi-sonic friend, Jacob Wick. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Support the show on Patreon and PayPal. And don't forget, if you're in one of those uh, top-tier donation spots, you can come on the show and join Marco and I for a playlist episode. If you've got some things on your mind, if you sit there listening to the show and go, why don't Andy and Marco talk about this or that? Man, now's your opportunity to do that. And uh, that's all I have to say. So, have a lovely week, and tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat chat show there is. Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you. Beyond Synth is made in partnership with your mom. <laughs> <laughs>